Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Hey there, my name's Michael Laminato, and this is Practice Day at the 2023 Dutch Grand Prix on Pit Pass F1. Pass F1 is brought to you by Evergreen Podcasts. And on today's episode, Daniel Ricciardo is out of the Dutch Grand Prix after breaking his left hand in an unfortunate crash in second practice, suspending the Aussies' comeback after just two races. Into his seat steps Red Bull Jr. Liam Lawson, but the Kiwi F1 hopeful will have just one practice session to make the most of his sudden debut, though there's a good chance he'll be back in the car for at least another round. Meanwhile, the battle up front looks delicately poised, with F1's other driver with Dutch connections, Lando Norris, topping the FP2 timesheet ahead of Max Verstappen. To talk us through an unpredictable day in Zandvoort, let's hear now from your host, it's Chris Medlin. Friday practice is meant to be quiet during a race weekend, at least one of the quieter days as things go but not so much today. Big news coming out of the Dutch Grand Prix. Daniel Ricciardo is out of this race weekend with a broken hand. Now, Ricciardo had what was kind of an innocuous looking crash at turn three in second practice, following Oscar Piastri, who'd just done the same. Piastri had lost the rear of his McLaren heading into that corner, almost swapped ends and and hit the barrier. So quite heavily damaged the right-hand side of his car. But as a result of that, Ricardo arrived on the scene and found a McLaren that was pretty much going to be on the racing line as he tried to take that corner. It's the banked corner early in the lap. And the way the cars take it, they get very wide in the middle of that corner uh, and get high up on the banking. So Ricardo essentially had a choice to make when he hit the brakes. He was trying to slow the car quickly to make sure he could kind of cut underneath Piastri's car. Couldn't do that because the speed he was arriving at locked up everything. So then he's got to choose, hit Piastri's car or hit the wall. And he hit the wall, which was the sensible choice of the two. But he still had his hand on the wheel. Uh, That led to a broken metacarpal. So one of his bones in the middle of his hands because of the kind of kickback it got when contact was made with the wall. It is rare that a driver gets injured in a crash, but that just shows the forces that are involved when these accidents happen. Uh, And maybe we get a bit used to seeing people just jump out and be absolutely fine. And something that looked relatively low speed and you'd expect the driver to be absolutely fine, uh, you know, can easily break a bone or or do some damage. So uh, Ricardo had to go for an x-ray that confirmed the break that rules him out of the rest of this race weekend at least because it probably will run on uh, beyond this race weekend as well. And it's going to be Liam Lawson who will replace him. So there was a discussion within Red Bull about who to put in because Nick De Vries is actually understood to still be under contract as a result of being essentially demoted from a race driver Alpha Tauri, but into a reserve role because obviously one of Red Bull's reserve drivers, Daniel Ricciardo, took over that seat. So they would be down a reserve driver if they didn't honour that contract as such and keep De Vries as one of its drivers. But in the end, Lawson, who was also here 
on site as the reserve driver. He got the nod. Now, I actually caught up with Liam before the announcement was made and he was waiting to find out what would happen if Daniel was unable to race. Uh, yeah, the signs were that uh, Daniel was badly injured or badly enough that he wasn't going to be able to drive. And Liam was waiting to find out whether he'd be picked or not. And he was very worried that it was actually going to go the way of De Vries uh, when he really wanted his own chance. He's, he's not had one yet. It's going to be his Grand Prix debut. And at that point, you could just tell he wasn't letting himself believe he might get an opportunity. Obviously, it's not in the conditions that any driver really wants when someone else gets hurt. But uh, he wanted to be the one that was picked in that case. And in the end, that's what's happened. So it's going to be a really, really tough task for him. He's got a huge test tomorrow. He's not driven this year's AlphaTauri at all. He's going to get just one hour of practice to get to know the car, the tyres, the team and get to grips with such a tough track as the two crashes today showed. There are actually multiple other incidents as well that I'll get to a bit later. Everyone else will also be far more in the groove than him because they've had their Friday practice and he's not. But it's a challenge he wants to take on. So it's really going to be the Liam Lawson show, I think, tomorrow when we're going to have our eyes on how he does in his first outing. Uh, he's got some big shoes to fill in the form of Daniel Ricciardo, but also a tough test against his teammate Yuki Tsunoda when Yuki was very, very strong today. He finished fifth in FP2. Uh, AlphaTauri with some upgrades on the car as well. So it's one of those where uh, really Lawson's expectations need to be kept in check. Uh, not only his own, but those that are watching need to think the same. You know, it's so unrealistic that he's even going to get up to speed in FP3. He's just going to learn some processes and kind of get a feel for the car, let alone work out where he can push on this track and then he's going to go straight into qualifying when everyone else will be so much more prepared than him uh, and he probably won't even have much of a feel for the tyres let alone uh, how much he can attack certain corners so there's likely to be quite a big deficit I imagine uh, if he's not 20th out of 20 that will mark a real result if it's based on raw pace so um, yeah big ass for Lawson but uh, a fascinating one as well and, and it's an opportunity for a rookie and a young driver who gets their chance for the first time which is always interesting to watch but it's a real shame about the circumstances and Ricardo's now in a cast on his left arm uh, it's going to be a number of weeks while that bone heals so we'll try and get more of a read tomorrow on just how long he's going to be out for Now, everything else pretty much paled into insignificance given the focus on Ricardo and Lawson this afternoon. But there was a surprise in FP2 as well, away from those guys. Max Verstappen was not fastest. I'll repeat that. Max Verstappen was not fastest. He was second quickest, but he was not fastest. Uh, the crashes did interrupt proceedings for a spell, but everyone else did carry out qualifying simulations at one point, and it wasn't even a Red Bull on top. No, Lando Norris set the pace by just 0.023 seconds from Verstappen, with Alex Albon actually a very impressive third. We'll get to him in a minute, but Norris and Verstappen were extremely closely matched. I think if you put their ultimate best mini sectors together and worked out the quickest way they could have driven the lap, uh, today based on all the other laps they did Verstappen would have had a similarly small advantage over Norris that's how tight it was so it's not like he didn't get his lap together they were both really in the same ballpark so uh, really encouraging stuff for McLaren actually and, and Norris thinks they can carry that form into tomorrow as well but he says the key for that will be not to make any mistakes and as we've seen today it's easy to make a mistake and a costly one 
Verstappen's still the hot favourite, but like at many venues, what this is showing is that Red Bull doesn't have a huge advantage over the rest of the field over one lap. Could well be threatened in qualifying. Uh, Lewis Hamilton, another one actually, who looked particularly strong at times too. Uh, Hamilton kind of had his best laps interrupted each time. He was set to go much quicker in FP1 than he ended up going because of a red flag in that session as well. So we haven't really seen the true lap time that we could from Hamilton, even if we have seen flashes of the pace. So he will hope to be in that mix as well. But back to Albon, though, and it was a strong day for Williams overall at a track it didn't really expect to be competitive at. Logan Sargent was also competitive all day, uh, and so there were some promising signs there for both drivers. But third place for Albon is certainly not a position that Williams expects to remain in. But maybe what it now has done is kind of raise hopes a little bit of sneaking one car through into Q3. And if you can do that here at Zandvoort, where it is tough to overtake, then you are giving yourself a really good chance of picking up a point or two because any driver who's having to push that bit harder to try and make a move around here, as we've seen in practice, like mistakes can, can really hurt. It looks remarkably tight up and down the field, partly because of just how short the lap is here. It's one of the shortest of the calendar and the lap times are in the 1 minute 11 second region today. But the top 16 drivers were covered by three quarters of a second in FP2. Remarkably close, really. Uh, tricky for Ferrari, though. They were bringing up the rear. Robert Schwartzman took over FP1 from Carlos Sainz. And I said we'd keep an eye on him. He had a really solid run, actually. Schwartzman did everything that was asked of him. He was doing a lot of aero testing. No opportunity for him to show his true pace because he didn't get to do a soft tyre run. And only Ferrari and Alfa Romeo chose not to use soft tyres in FP1. So kind of left them what you'd have thought was out of position at that stage. But Carlos Sainz was back in the car for FP2. Uh, and to show Lawson just how tough it will be getting in the car later, even the Spaniard had a few off-track excursions and ended up 16th overall. Uh, he went off twice during FP2 and just looked like he was struggling to kind of get to grips with the car in that session at that time. He was still within two-tenths of a second of teammate Charles Leclerc, so it wasn't exactly like he was miles off the pace, but it was just that he just didn't look that comfortable in the car. Um, and Ferrari just didn't look all that comfortable at all either. Both drivers were outside the top 10 in FP2, just didn't look like they had everything together. Now, it may well have been that they were playing the long game, focusing more on race pace for Sunday, and kind of weren't really showing their true hand. We've seen that before from Ferrari, but also with such small gaps, it doesn't take a lot. I mean, Haas, they did struggle as well. Nico Hülkenberg went off in FP1, and then both drivers were a little bit adrift in FP2 as well, as they looked to solve some race pace issues. And I believe they were looking at their long run pace more than their one lap pace, because we know that's been very impressive this year. But I'd say I'm not sure anyone will be massively concerned at this stage, because none of the gaps were that big. Everyone was kind of there or thereabouts within striking distance of the next car and feel like if they can get it totally together, they might be able to sneak through to the next part of qualifying from where they normally would be. But it also shows you just how important it will be to execute a clean session in qualifying as one slight slip could cost you a lot of grid positions. And with a close field, it's likely to be really difficult to then make progress on Sunday if you feel like you're out of position because you're not going to have a huge pace advantage over anyone else. So yeah, we've got a crucial, crucial qualifying session coming up. And just to add to that as well, there's a big threat of rain. So Saturday could be a cracker. Thanks very much to Chris Medland, who's in the paddock all weekend in Zandvoort. Make sure you don't miss an update from the Dutch Grand Prix paddock by subscribing to Pit Pass F1 wherever you get your favourite podcasts. And you can visit us at pitpassmotorsports.com. While you're there, check out the Pit Pass Motorsports blog, powered by Podium Life, featuring racing articles and motorsport industry news. 
You can also keep up to date with goings-on between episodes by following Chris on social media. Just check the links in the show description. My name's Michael Laminato. Pit Pass F1 is an evergreen podcast. Pit Pass Moto, sponsored by Moto America, is the show that keeps you up to speed on the latest in motorcycling and brings the biggest names in motorcycle racing right to you. From candid interviews with the top names in racing to providing insights into the trends and trendsetters driving the motorcycle industry, we have you covered. New episodes are available every Thursday at pitpassmoto.com and on your favorite podcast app. Ride on!